welcome to Fake Redhead Talking Fast, the podcast where you can hear an opinionated Scot slash share her thoughts. I'm Cassie, the fake redhead in question, and let's get to it. Hello, welcome back to Fake Redhead Talking Fast. Thank you all so much for your patience. I know this episode is a little bit later than it normally is. My life has gone crazy, but I know you get it and I appreciate your support. Today, I thought I would talk about finally a female character everyone suspend your disbelief and the female character i'm going for is the one that i have stuff written about like pre-written before a podcast it's in my i don't know if i should call it an english journal it's why i used to write like stories in and character ideas and character cliches to avoid it's got all sorts in here including a mini essay i guess you'd call it i think i'd call it an essay about joe march I'm so excited to share my thoughts. Let's begin. I am so glad I've already got something written out for this, a brief idea of what I want to do, because Joe March is such a an intensely interesting character. She's got all these different sides that to know where to start with her is so difficult. Uh, but thankfully, I have got a roadmap. Now, again, I'm going to put spoiler warnings in place. This is quite a big spoiler warning. It will I will discuss very, very major plot points of Little Women. So please, if you haven't read it and you don't want to know, as much as it pains me, please stop listening. I really want you to be able to enjoy this firsthand, guys. If you have read it or you're not bothered about spoilers, then please stay and enjoy. I will try and make this as interesting and informative as I possibly can. <laughs> Also, I read Little Women in 2017, the end of 2017. So we're looking at kind of four years, guys, um, since I read the book. I, of course, watched the film when it came out, which was wonderful. Um, But if I reference things that happened in the film but not the book or vice versa, then patience. I beg patience. Um, But both are great. I'm very, very faithful, I feel personally, because the film was quite divisive, I feel, to the characters and their stories. It's quite funny. I would actually say that Little Women was my earliest exposure to period dramas. I remember, I couldn't have been more than seven, at least, uh, watching it when my grandmother was visiting us in Scotland. She put on the 90s version with Christian Bale in it and Winona Ryder. I hated it. I hated it so much. It scared me. It upset me. I didn't like the bit where Amy got caned by her teacher. I didn't like the bit when one of them passes away. And it convinced me that all period dramas were like that. And I did not touch them for years. I was 15 before I became interested in period dramas again. Basically what happened was I went, I was up late one night. I couldn't sleep found Pride and Prejudice on Netflix, I was like, this might as well happen. I watched the 2005 Pride and Prejudice and then all of the North and South miniseries in one night. I did not feel very well the next day, but boy was I cultured. And then that kind of snowballed. And then when the mini uh, Little Women series came out in 2017, my aunt insisted I read the book. And so I bested what I feel is my personal literary battle, beast battle, there, and read it. It was a harder read I think because I didn't understand a lot of the more American terms like American period uh, pieces are quite different to English period pieces if that makes sense and of course it's not as old as Austen so you're dealing with another writing style again 
but I did really enjoy it. It definitely surprised me. Things that I thought happened in the book don't happen until later books, and I was quite relieved. <laughs> but yes, it was, I would say, my earliest exposure to period dramas. And now I'm older and have... I haven't re since rewatched the Winona Ryder version, but I have watched the Saoirse Ronan version. Excellent. Really quite excellent. And also, Maya Hawke as Joe March was brilliant. A very common theme amongst my favourite characters, as Joe March is one of them, is that they tend to be incredibly flawed. And Little Women does this like very few other books. Sorry, my sister came into the room. Yes, like very few other books. Joe isn't a, oh, I'm so precious and special because I read books. She exists purely authentically. Not for an aesthetic, not for any kind of external viewpoint. She exists for herself. Her constant switch from present to detached to from the real world to the, the worlds in her head, the writing, the, the imagining, is so it's it's so symbolic of the fact that her brain never stops she e never ever stops she's always thinking always just on the move constantly i respect that a lot like i gotta tell you i vibe with that in a big way her writing is arguably her first and biggest love it consumes every part of her mind that i can't relate to as much i'm terrible at keeping up with my writing and also other people's i'm really sorry beth i'll get to it <laughs> Her fierce devotion to it drives her to get her book published despite every obstacle standing in her way. An entire society that says, mm, you don't really seem like the type that could do that. She is made to repeatedly prove her worth and it gets exhausting after a while. But she does it because she, she has this self-respect that's actually weirdly rare when you think about it like it's it's so overt herself her respect for herself and it it leads into like later things that I'll talk about like decisions she makes in her life but it's really interesting to see within a female protagonist just that level of yes she's also a child she's I think 17 in the first book something like that I'm sure someone will correct me if I'm wrong but she also has a measure of self-awareness. Yeah, she's in her own head a bit. Yeah, she can be a bit away with the fairies. But she's also very switched on. Another very major theme of Little Women, I think I mentioned in my intro, is this image of childhood. The, the, the theme of your childhood, whether or not you leave it behind, what parts of it you can take with you as you grow up, is very, very central to the themes. As her sisters and her grow, as their lives change, as more and more things come up that make her realise that she's not a little girl anymore. She can't just skip away into a field with her next door neighbour and shut out the world. She has to grow up. She has to make choices. She has to live with the consequences of those choices. And to watch her try and understand the best way to do things, the fact that it doesn't always work in the way that it does in your head, and it definitely doesn't always go the way you expect, is like Louisa May Alcott did such a good job at presenting that kind of wild uncertainty. I think I mentioned um, in my last podcast, it's just this expression from the poet Pam Ayres that I love um, she, when she talks about being young, that shapeless longing for something 
bigger. I have it myself. I think a lot of people have it between the ages of 17 to like 23. We just like more, please. Like just the world can't get big enough for us. But that's what Louise May Alcott captures. And to watch Joe try and channel that in the most constructive way into the most true to herself authentic way is a really interesting journey to follow. Of course, you can't really talk about Joe March without mentioning Laurie. Theodore Lawrence, her next door neighbour, they meet um, when they're both quite young. I think he's roughly the same age as her. I don't know. I should have looked it up before I started. Um, and they pretty much hit it off straight away because um, she's very boyish and tomboyish and they like a lot of the same things. He's obviously quite wealthy and so he's got a very classical education and she's just interested in stuff so she knows a lot of things. I loved the way that Timothy Chalamet and Saoirse Ronan portrayed their friendship. It was a very tight bond and of course for those who know it's a very different bond for each of them. For Joe, it's that's her brother. She doesn't have any brothers and so Laurie becomes that. He becomes part of their little club, their little storybook club that she and her sisters have, the only boy, and they she just dotes on him, and he dotes on her in a very different way. He's loved her pretty much from day one, because of all the things that I talked about earlier, she's just so authentically herself. She just loves life, and she wants to learn, and she has all this passion and ambition and drive, and he loves that about her. He loves that fire in her. And yeah, it doesn't go quite the way that a lot of people want the... <laughs> yeah the outcome of that again controversial I personally feel it worked out fine uh, but that's because some of my personal preferences on characters but anyway we'll talk about that later Uh, but yes he's such a constant in her life he's always there it's always the two of them if you're looking for one they'll be with the other you know you they're they're joined at the hip basically no none of the others bond to Laurie the same way that Joe does and their friendship is a very strong theme throughout the book as well I realized earlier that when I said um, that a common theme among my favourite characters is that they're flawed. I did then not go on to give you any of Joe's flaws. She is hot-headed, vicious-tempered, can be quite mean. Uh, that's a family trait. And is quite good at holding grudges. <laughs> she can sometimes only see three things through one lens, through her one worldview. She doesn't always respond particularly well to criticism bless Frederick and her flaws and her foibles and some of the things that negatively impact her bounce off and react with her sisters which causes in the way sisters do it causes divisions and fights and blow-ups and oh the betrayal and I know we're all thinking of that manuscript scene oh I will talk about it later I can't it I need to gear up for it but yeah but yeah, she can be very hot-tempered. It comes from that... That No, actually, it doesn't come from that. Women can be hot-tempered. I was about to say boyishness and then remembered who I was. And she is also very, very resistant to change for a young woman who wants to explore so much. The idea of change terrifies her. And that really... You can really see that when her older sister kind of throws her hat into the social ring. Because Meg... Uh, is the eldest and they basically need her to marry kind of well and she wants that she wants the dresses and the parties and she wants to meet men and you know have that kind of life she wants to be a home wife she wants children 
there's, you know, at no point does Louisa May Alcott make it seem like that's a bad thing. The whole idea with women being able to choose what they want is that some women want that for their lives. And it's a beautiful thing. And yeah, but anyway, Joe cannot understand this. And she hates when her, when her sister gets married. It's a time of such intense emotional upheaval. Meg is leaving and for Joe, it's like a, a death kill on her, on her childhood. One of her sisters has been taken away from her. That's what she views it as, as her sister being taken. Not going, but taken. And she hates it. It signifies that things are changing. And she doesn't cope very well with change. Unfortunately for Joe, things are going to change a lot more. I know I've already put a spoiler warning, but in, just in case you were like, oh, I wonder if that bad, I will put another one here because I'm about to discuss something that's quite spoilery. Again, it's quite an old book, so you might be aware of it. It comes up sometimes in popular culture, but if you're not, please be advised. Spoiler warning ahead. Laurie, after Meg's wedding, proposes to Joe. He's been in love with her for years. He is convinced that she loves him in the same way. Let there be no mistaking. She loves him but not like that. That whole scene is so fascinating because fundamentally, if she were to accept, it would change their relationship completely, but it also means he would always be there. But her respect for herself and to an extent for him leads her to reject. She does not love him in the way that he deserves to be loved or she wants to love the person that she'd spend the rest of her life with. That leads her to reject him. She has to break his heart and risk losing him entirely to ensure that both of them will be happy because he, she can see the things that he adores about her now, how easily they would become difficult or they would clash in the um, 2020 film. She would. She says, we would argue all the time. And this is while they're like having a pseudo shouting match on a hillside. And she says, we can't help it even now. She's so aware of herself, of what she's like, of what they're like, that she knows that it could never truly work. Laurie doesn't take it particularly well. He pretty much says, right, I'll just never love anyone else ever you will. And he says, you know, in the film, at least again, I can't remember if that happens in the book, but he says, you will go and you will get married and you'll love someone with all you are, because that's just the way you are. And I'll watch. Timothy Chalamet's acting in this scene and Sir Sharona's was just chef's kiss perfection. Amazing. He then strops off to Europe, goes on a lad's tour, an absolute bender, drinks too much, is sad, writes operas. It's a whole thing. He has like a proper rich boy, sad boy summer. It's hilarious. And Joe has to deal with the fact that he's not there anymore and he didn't take it as well as she was maybe hoping. But it's that change. She doesn't like the fact that their relationship is now changed. Even if he were to forgive her, which he eventually does, even if, well, forgive, there's nothing to forgive, but you know, even if they were to become friends again, it's different now because it's it's out there. The words are out, it's out there. But it's just that self-respect that comes up again, that no, this is not how I want to love. It's not how you deserve to be loved. It's not fair. I love that a lot. I think it. there's not enough of that 
in a lot of modern literature. I don't think there's enough of that in a lot of life, to be honest. But it's such an inspiring thing to watch. A lot of people do think that they should have ended up together. They would have been perfect. Those people kind of confuse me. Because it's like they haven't even really paid attention to the book, to what Joe's saying. They're just thinking in terms of, oh, they're such a cute couple. Like, think about their happiness. Think about, you know, think long term. She could see the long term that they wouldn't be happy. And what happens later in life proves that. He thinks he's never going to love again. But he does. He finds love again and he's happy. And he can be happy whilst also being her friend. He doesn't hold any kind of resentment or anger towards her. It's just learning. It's all just learning. The scene... uh, Okay, another slight spoiler. He ends up marrying Amy. Because Amy at this point is also in Europe. She's been taken off by her Aunt March to become a woman of culture. She's painting and all this. Um, And he meets up with her and over the course of their time in Europe, they fall in love and come back, at least again in the film, very sorry, that's my earliest, uh, most recent frame of reference, come back married. The film portrays Joe as quite upset, but actually in the book she's delighted for them because it's a way to keep Laurie in her life, but she no longer feels the responsibility of his romantic love. Again, the scene where uh, Laurie tells Joe in the film, he tells her, I will love you. Like He's like, let's get this all out on the table. Let's, let's get it into the open. I will love you. I always will. But the love I feel for Amy is different. It's that theme of growing up, of what we feel in our youth is not what we feel later on. In uh, Much Ado About Nothing, Benedict says words to the effect of, the meat a man loves in his youth he can't endure in his age because we change and we grow the things we appreciate and the things we want change and grow and the fact that joe thought far enough ahead to see that is brilliant because they both end up happy whether you personally agree with how it ends or not you have to admit that she is happy it comes down again to that woman's right to choose Uh, many people think that Louisa May Alcott sold herself short and I believe yes that she had to end up getting Joe married to someone to get it published because the idea of a single female heroine was undescribably controversial but she did not just fob Joe off on the next passing man nor did she make her lose her autonomy by taking Laurie back she writes Joe a really interesting nice foreign professor guy that keeps up with Joe academically that challenges her work to her face again at least in the film that it's just this theme of challenging where did I write this down I wrote this down somewhere else and I can't remember where it was I love the couples the way they end up because Amy when she meets Laurie in Europe is pretty much horrified by what he's become he's become you know devil may care and rude and all these things and she's like what is up with that this is not who you are pull yourself together and he's like nah and she's like then I'm not going to talk to you and he's like okay maybe I pull myself together and then Frederick when he meets Joe Joe and you know they chat and they get on and everything she shows him her writing he honestly critiques her he honest it's none of this oh well you know I no it's straight out of the blocks he just tells her. I love the, the challenge. And it's not about a man changing for a woman. It's not about a man 
tearing a woman down. It's about people challenging each other. Because Laurie challenges Amy in her art. She's given up on her art. And he's like, are you kidding? Do you know who you are? Pull yourself together. And I just, I have many feelings. I really need to read the second book, really, to get a proper handle on uh, Joe and Frederick's relationship. But yeah, it's just that, it's just that theme of challenging each other, of not being afraid to say to your significant other, hey, I think you could do better without being critical or cruel. That's what life should be. We should constantly be saying, hey, hey, you want me, make, you make me want to be better. And it's such a cool thing. But romantic relationships aside, the main focus of at least the first Little Women book is the sisters. She, Jo has a dynamic and unique relationship with each of her sisters. Meg is a paragon, an example held before her, but Meg's also a little materialistic and a bit vain. Beth is the ultimate temperament, the one all of her sisters hold themselves to. She's sweet and generous and forgiving and selfless and gone. Her loss becomes a great motivator for Jo. It's something that drives her to to make peace with her other sisters, to make peace with Amy, because Amy and Jo have a very rocky relationship. And that brings me on. It's the, it's the relationship that fascinates me the most. Amy and Jo are the two that fight and bicker and retaliate and argue because it, they're the ones that have that temperament. They're also the ones that understand each other the most. Their ambitions put them both against a system that doesn't value women with talent or ambitions. And despite what the film portrays, when Amy and Laurie fall in love and marry, Joe is thrilled. She and Amy become strengths to each other because there's this idea... I feel that a character cannot change. Amy makes a heinous mistake quite early. Um, one day, Meg, um, her uh, beau John, I cannot remember his last name, Brooke, John Brooke, um, Laurie and Joe all go to the theatre. And Amy desperately wants to go, but she can't because she's not been invited. And Amy is a stroppy, selfish 13 year old and she throws joe's precious manuscript into the fire whatever adaptation you watch it makes you want to scream and cry and bite things it's such to any it's almost horrifying the like florence Pugh did it really well in the 2020 version the girl who played oh i can't remember her name either who played amy in the 2017 version it's almost haunting how calm and measured she is doing this thing that she knows will destroy her sister and boy does it joe goes mental i think she has to be pulled off her because she's like attacking her because that's joe's entire life everything she's been pouring her heart into for months is gone and it's gut-wrenching and you think how can she have i'm never gonna forgive her amy is my favorite character you know um but in that moment you're like there is no coming back from this but there always is and ultimately joe does forgive amy when amy um falls through they go ice skating and amy falls through the ice and joe's really worried that she's gonna die she doesn't she gets a cold she doesn't die because she and laurie fish are out in time but 
this idea that you stay the same at 10, at 15, at 20, at 25, constantly challenged through Little Women, because there's that quote, and again, I can't remember who it's by, that we contain multitudes. We are so many different people all through our lives. We grow and we change at such an exceptional rate based on what we're exposed to, what we value, what things are put before us, and we take each of these. We are a little bit of everyone we've ever met. It's beautiful to watch. And the way she and Amy support each other, the strength they are to each other, because they understand. They understand each other so well. And it's it's just beautiful. It's just beautiful. And I think that is me just about out of steam. I strongly recommend reading Little Women. It's such a nice read. It's heartwarming and thought-provoking and it's just lovely and gentle and you have characters that are real are real people people that you know people that you have probably met maybe people that you are and it's just such a clear vivid picture it's like you're looking in the window of this family's life it's just beautiful writing on Louisa May Alcott's part and I really recommend it to everyone because it's just so lovely yes those are all of the thoughts that I have on Little Women that I have written down I actually expanded on a lot more points this podcast is far far longer than I was expecting again I'm really really sorry for how late on in the day it is but it's still a Monday so yay I thought I wasn't gonna get out till Tuesday I will try and be more on the ball next week uh, but thank you all so much for your patience I really do appreciate it you're doing amazing things and I just I really like the fact that I'm making you happy and I'm making you smile because I like to give you a little giggle every now and then and yeah thank you so much for continuing to listen and support me and to the people like who give me ideas and suggestions and uh, constructive criticism you guys are carrying this podcast thank you so much I really really appreciate it if you have anything that you'd like me to cover any points that you think I should have discussed in in this episode or anything else you want me to talk about please feel free to drop me a message uh, on, on twitter at redheadfasttalk and I will try to respond to you on there and thank you so much for all of the support and help in the meantime please stay safe thank you for listening and I will speak soon